welcome to YA Book. It's a podcast where we read YA books that we personally read back back in the 2000s and 2010s. Yep. This book is not from that era. <laughs> not quite. I'm Mary. And I'm Renee. And this week I read the seminal classic. Is that the right way to use that word? <laughs> I don't, do you use seminal and classic? <laughs> is the seminal mean classic? Seminal, uh, strongly influencing later developments. Okay, so seminal and classic. I stand by that. Okay. The seminal and classic, Hatchet oh by Gary Paulson. <laughs> you probably read this book in fifth grade. Yeah, I didn't. Well. <laughs> That was the end of my thought. But I, my, I, we owned it. My brother liked this book, I think, but I never read it. Um, I think the kind of people that would enjoy this book are, um, were kids that grew into adults, although I think the trend is mostly t- kids. It's basically, enjoying this book has the same energy as being the kind of person to watch those, like, video game, like, animated cars tumbling off the cliff and talk, and, like, they would point out how they would survive. Oh, okay. I, I do f- like those videos. I feel like that's that. I feel like Gary Paulson would be really into those videos. Yeah. I don't know if Gary Paulson's alive. Hold on, I'm he might. I think I think he is. Gary Paulson. Any relation to Sarah Paulson? I was wondering that too. I mean, I know the answer is no, but I uh, know he's alive. He's eighty-two. Wow. Nice. Um, anyway. Well, I, well, sorry, just a brief, I just glanced over his wiki page, and it says, Paulson is an outdoorsman, a hunter and trapper, but I misread that as hunter and rapper, and I was like, <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, we gotta unpack that he, really quick. He's got some sick beats. <laughs> no, he lives in Alaska. Okay, well, um, yes, Hatchet. So for those who did not read this in their use, here's the description. Oh, first of all, it came out in 1987. Yeah, so. Great year. My brother was born in 1987. You know, they, they had... I don't know what they had in 1987 other than, like, malls. Uh, Zelda came out in 1986. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so... 13-year-old Brian Robeson is on his way to visit his father when the single-engine plane in which he is flying crashes. Suddenly, Brian finds himself alone in the Canadian wilderness with nothing but a tattered windbreaker... In the hatchet his mother gave him as a present, and the dreadful secret that has been tearing him apart since his parents' divorce. Oh my god. But now Brian has no time for anger, self-pity, or despair. It will take all his know-how and determination and more courage than he knew he possessed to survive. So to start off, I remember this protagonist as being like 19 years old. No, he's like 12 or something. He's 13. I said 13 year old. But like, I just felt like it should have been an older kid stuck in the woods. No, see, that's why it was like part of the early reading curriculum is because you can relate to his age. You can't, uh, you can't relate to this character at all. Well, no. As a child. No, but it's supposed to be like, but but what if? Yeah, I didn't realize that. We did have to read Lost on a Mountain in Maine, Mm. which is a very similar type of story. But this one's a true story. Hatchet is not. Hatchet is fictional. Uh, but if I was in this situation at age 13, I'd just die. <laughs> but what if your mom gave you a hatchet? And you had a, you carried a dark secret? 
You can't die with a dark secret. The dark secret is not as important, and the windbreaker really plays nothing into this. You gotta, you know, he's gotta break the wind. <laughs> the wind waker. He's the last airbender. <laughs> We're going all over the place. <laughs> all right, so we start, and 13-year-old Brian is flying in a bush plane heading from New York to the Canadian frontier. Uh, in my, I almost wrote Canadian Outback. He's <laughs> like, the Outback! I was like, mm, wrong hemisphere. Similar energy. Yes, but no. Yep. And so parents going through a divorce... The mom pushed for it, and Brian knows capital T, the capital S, secret. Was it cheating? The secret. Mary, we have to get to the reveal. (laughs) So it was cheating. (laughs) Yeah. Brian knows the secret about the divorce that his dad doesn't know, and the mom doesn't know that Brian knows. A classic. Classic. So the dad's an engineer working in Canadian oil business. Mm-hmm. He's an oil man. Great. So he's he's well off. Yeah. And he's living in, like, middle of nowhere, Canada. And uh, per the cust- custody agreement, uh, he gets summers with his dad and the rest of the year with his mom. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, apparently, yeah, Brian hates lawyers. <laughs> okay. Because of the divorce. He hates lawyers. He was very William Shakespeare. We gotta kill all the lawyers first. Get him out of here. <laughs> okay, so, in this little bush plane, it's just, you know, him and the pilot, and the pilot shows Brian how to fly this plane. He's like, it's not as hard as it looks, and lets mm-hmm. him, like, kind of fly for a couple of minutes. Uh-huh. And all this time, Brian is just thinking about the divorce because he's traumatized and they're not putting him through therapy. They really, you know, not many do. And this was the 80s. My dad lived in the 80s. He did not do the drugs, but sometimes I wish he did the therapy. That's this. This is. What's this guy's kid's name again? Brian. Brian. This is Brian's child in the future on TikTok. <laughs> uh huh. Uh, so the mom gave him a hatchet as a present, and he's wearing it on his belt loop because they didn't go through an airport security. This is like a little bush plane that took off the middle of nowhere. It's also the 80s. It's also the 80s. 9-11 hasn't happened. <laughs> yeah, people didn't give a fuck when you were flying in the 80s. I, ne- I never flew before 9-11, but I've heard that it was a free-for-all. Yeah, I didn't either, but I, my parents did, so. Yeah, so we've heard the stories. Yes. Well, that's like I was watching. I've been rewatching Reba. Oh yeah. And so this is where I'm confused because Reba takes place in the early 2000s. Like I think it started 2002. Yeah. And there was a scene in an episode I watched recently where a bunch of the family meets up with someone at the gate. Like he's like, "Oh yeah, they're about to board." I'm like, "This is a post 9/11 society." I guess at that point they hadn't implemented. All I mean, changes. at this point, it probably would have been, like, 2004, 2005. Okay, then. Because we're I'm, like, three seasons deep. And it was just one of those things that the writers forgot about. Yeah, it was like, this this, this is not a bus station. Because now it's the whole... Well, I don't know what it is now, because in the 2010s, it was the moving on to the cliche of, like, oh, you can't just run to the gate, and all the movies made that the bit, where they're like, oh, a person has to buy the ticket, go through security. Yeah. So, I, at this point, I think they've just totally thrown out that bit, because... Younger audiences don't know no. that there was ever a time. My grandma used to be able to get a gate pass Ooh. to come see me, but then I turned 18 and she Oh. Well, anyway, he's wearing a hatchet on his belt loop. <laughs> yes. Because there's no TSA. That was allowed in 1987. <laughs> yeah. 
And this whole time, the pilot had been kind of off and seems like he's not doing too hot. Um, and we find out that he's having a heart attack. Brian recognizes this because he once saw someone die of a heart attack in public. This child already has so much trauma. Yeah. Um, the pilot, as the heart attack is coming on, tries to radio, but then just like, is, Brian's like, he's either dead or in a coma. So Brian has to, with his three minute flight lesson, fly this plane and he's trying to radio, but it's, they're in like the middle of nowhere. They have no cell service. I bet it goes well. Yeah. Um, and so after about an hour of flying, and please note that when the pilot either died or went into a coma, he fell steering the plane off course. Okay. So after flying an hour in who knows what direction, um, the plane's engines give out and he crashes into a lake and manages to escape the sinking plane. Okay, good. Yes. That's a good first step. Um, but then he gets out and out of the lake and passes out and he has flashbacks to Mary, brace yourself. Are you hold hold on? Hold on to something. Listeners, hold on to something. He saw his mom cheating. Oh, I did not see that coming. Yeah! And then he wakes up from those traumatic flashbacks, and he's sore, but doesn't seem to have any broken bones, and uh, freaking out, and falls asleep between the, the, the hitting the head and the trauma. Yeah. Well, yeah. And he wakes up, and the mosquitoes and the flies have just eaten him alive. Like He's he, dead. Yeah. His face is all swollen. He's miserable. Um, so then he just goes back. He manages to sleep some more, but this time he wakes up and he's all sunburnt because it's daytime and he's dehydrated. And he's like, okay, I don't know if this lake is clean water, but it's the only water source. So I got to drink it. Well, I mean. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. This isn't survival. No, there's no well to search for. And he drinks... Uh, a lot of it and throws up. Uh, he thinks that's because he just drank too much, maybe. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> so he remembers his English teacher that ta- taught them all to stay motivated. And he's like, I need to stay motivated to stay alive right now. Mm-hmm. So he's like, all right, let me think through everything that's happened to this point and stay grounded. And he checks out what he's got on him in his pockets of his ripped up windbreaker that's barely a coat anymore. He's got. 62 cents, a fingernail clipper, a billfold with $20, and, um, why does that look like it says snap piece? What does that say? He's got snap Some piece. paper. Oh. <laughs> um, I would just like to say that, thank God he has the billfold, because as we know from Detective J.J. Bittenbinder, you can survive if you've got that money clip. Mm-hmm. With a little cash. Mm-hmm. Granted, $20 in the 80s seems like a lot of money. It is. Yeah, he had $20 in 1987. Hold on. That'd be almost $50. Wow, the mom was like, you might get hungry on the ride. As in, like, where's he getting food? $48.06. <laughs> He's going... I guess they did take US dollars back in Canada at that point. There was, like, the weird thing. Did Canada take US dollars? They used to. Or we used to take Canadian. I don't need to know. What? It gave me, what is $1987 in Canadian? <laughs> Who knows? I can't... Okay. Anyway, the mom gave him $20 in a money clip. And as we know from Detective J.J. Binder, everyone's favorite, 
John Mulaney bit. Go get it. That Ryan, if he gets it, if if a stranger approaches him in the woods right now, he can just throw that money clip. I'm glad she gave him, was it, I'm assuming it was a $20 bill. Perhaps I'm wrong because it just feels weird to give someone a single dollar (laughs) in a money clip. Um, it just, I just, I think it was a $20 bill in a billfold. Billfold is a money clip, right? Not, it's not. Nuh-uh. What is a billfold? Billfold, I want to say is just like the like, little... leather sleeve that folds in half. Oh, like a, a wimpy wallet? Yeah. Yeah. Billfold is the, the. Wimpy wallet. Yeah. Oh. Well, damn. So that makes more sense. Detective too. J.J. Binder didn't tell us if the billfold works. Yeah. Does the billfold work, you think? I mean, you can't really see the mountain side. That's fine. Then they're curious. That lures them in. They're like, how much money does this kid got? Yeah, $20. It's, it's not a guarantee like the money clip. You're like, oh, shit. That's, that is, I can't. that's a cold 20 in there. <laughs> could you could be Monopoly money in the billfold? $500. Could be the debt. Oh, my God. You could get someone's debt. <laughs> Luxury tax. <laughs> Anyway, he still has the hatchet that had stayed on his belt loop and miraculously didn't injure him in the crash. No, he's fine. Yeah. All right, and in terms of clothes, he's got tennis shoes, socks, underwear, jeans, a t-shirt, and his very torn-up windbreaker. Great. That's, like, barely holding on. Great. He's also got a broken watch. Holding on. And uh, another thing the English teacher taught him is that you are your most valuable asset. So he's like, I got to consider myself as a resource. My brain. Yes. It's in there. Uh, He's convinced that rescue will find him that day. And he's very hungry. Make a signal fire. (laughs) Well, he doesn't have anything to make a fire with. That's quarter talk. (laughs) We'll get to the fire, Mary. So he remembers that the pilot veered off course when he had the heart attack. And he's like, okay, rescue might not be today. Could take a couple extra days to find me. So at this point, how long do you, how much time do you think this book takes place over? It's like 180 pages. Oh, I don't know. Like a couple days. Okay. We'll keep that in mind. Uh, so he starts looking. Wait, no, I want to change my answer. Okay. Seven weeks. Okay. I don't know. Interesting guess. Your, your response made me nervous. I was like, maybe, maybe a few. I'm, no, I'm <laughs> saying to few... it. No, this is like the other door thing, sticking to just a few, a few days. <laughs> well, you see, I couldn't remember the name for the other door thing. My mind just goes. My mind just goes. Ah, yes, the prisoner's dilemma. <laughs> the wrong principle. That's that's game game theory. Yeah. Well, so is the door thing. Oh, is that also a game theory? I think it's technically game theory. I, I did not have that as a part of my game theory experience. I think it technically counts as game theory. Seems like a game. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. It's a statistical thing. Yeah. Okay. So he finds berries, and he eats a lot of them. Um, and They're poisonous berries, Well, guys. birds were eating them. Well, so, well, I mean, they could have poisonous to birds. Yeah, so he's like, it might, might not kill me, but I'll try. They look like cherries, um, and... He wakes up in the middle of the night, and he isn't horribly sick, uh, but doesn't die. He just gets really sick. And he's like, yeah. maybe I should only eat a couple berries at a time instead of a ton of them. Yeah, it could also be, like, I don't know, the trauma. Yeah. 
the head injury. Yeah, there's a lot of reasons for you to throw up. Yeah, uh, we get another flashback to the mom cheating. This is the scene where we see her actually kiss the other man. <gasps> uh, so... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus. In a truck or some kind of Chevy something. I don't know. Maybe it was a Subaru. Oh, I think we that from the book. Yeah. Okay, I was like, I don't think that's in the song, Renee. Yeah. Um, so this time he manages to find raspberries Whoa. and a black bear. Not black bear, the artist. <laughs> I just really thought you were going to go blackberries. And I was like, no. And the black bear. You ended with bear. I was like, oh shit. But the black bear doesn't approach him. Well, that's nice. Yes. um, They just have like a brother bear moment. Yeah, black bears are pretty pretty tame. um, As long as it's not like a mama and a cub, then black bears generally will not try to attack you. It's the grizzlies. Yeah, the grizzlies are the ones, which we don't have them this way, so. Yeah. And I don't know where in Canada. He doesn't know where in Canada he is. Well, if he's coming from New York, it's the eastern part. But he was flying for a while. Yeah, but it's like a six-hour flight to get to the other coast, so. But we don't know how long he was up in the air to begin with. It's a bush plane. They can't fly that long. Well, he flew for an hour by himself when the plane gave out, but he was flying before that on course for who knows how long. Yeah, but it can't have been, like, more than three hours. Okay, so then he's in, like, central Canada. And pretty up north. That's why, like, I know you're supposed to stay. Like, I think, like, they would say stay near the plane. Yeah, because the plane is visible. No, it's not. It's submerged in the lake. Right. But I, like, I know that some people would say you should stay near the crash site, but... If I'm stranded in Canada, I know if I keep going south, eventually you hit civilization. Yeah, but how do you know? Well, I guess this. You can tell which way south. So that's like, but you don't know how far you are. I'm like, I guess it's a gamble. But you know, if you're heading south, it's heading towards civilization no matter where you are so in Canada. So grizzlies only really live. Um, Rockies? In- yeah, in the Rocky Mountains of Western Alberta, the Yukon, Northwest Territories, Nunavut, and Manitoba, as well as um, British Columbia. Oh, he's definitely not there. Yeah. So that's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, so he's only dealing with black bears. Anyway, yeah. But I... Because he just... We'll get to it, but he decides to stay mostly because of, like, the, the lake he has. Yeah, I mean, that's like... Survival 101 is every time anyone was talking about it, it's like, you need to stay in your location. Yeah, which is why I would die... Because I'd have this great plan that I could walk to civilization if I just kept going south. No, but then you could be going farther away from help. But I'd be like, I wouldn't think that. I'd be like, I'm going to find the American border one day. <laughs> yeah, Are you going to survive that many days? No, that's why I would die. <laughs> I'd do better now. I'm talking about if I was 13. But if that, but yeah, well, yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, so uh, raspberries and a black bear... Uh, that night he's attacked by a porcupine. I thought you were going to say wolves instinctually, and it was like... Wolves show up, but they don't attack him, mm-hmm. but he has, like, a stare down with a wolf. Great. Yeah. So he throws his hatchet at the porcupine, and it doesn't hit the porcupine, but it hits the, like, cave walls. There's, like, a little alcove where he managed to build a shelter, mm-hmm. and he sees sparks, and he realizes he can make a fire with the hatchet. Because he originally was like, oh, I could use my watch, but it's digital, so it doesn't have the actual, like, bit that you need to, like, reflect. Yeah. Um, but then he realizes he can use his hatchet with, like... 
The titular Hutchins. Yeah. Wow. The main character. Yeah. Uh, the real protagonist of this book. Yeah, and then we get what is the longest fire-making scene ever. Like, you remember that Survivor episode? With the, 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 the final four? When the, fire, the fire-making challenge went on forever? By someone running out of matches? Yes. Yeah. That, this, this passage... It feels longer. It's pages and pages of him being like, the kindling isn't working. I need better kindling. And he finds better kindling. And then he's like, I need the rest of the wood and how to keep it going. And the strike, strike the boop, Yeah, no, it's exactly the, the energy of that. <laughs> yes! <barbecue challenge. laughs> That's all I thought of when I read this. Becky and Sundra. And then finally, he remembers to add oxygen, which is a classic survivor moment of the, like, people being like, blow on it. Oh, if Yao Man was here, uh, he, he'd be rescued in a day. Well, there was that fucking guy also on the season, Cowboy, who was like a fire making genius. Yes. Because <laughs> there was the other fire making challenge in the group one where the, he just like was mysteriously like waving shit around and then all of a sudden like this huge fire came out. Cowboy was amazing. Unnecessarily mean to him. They really were. He was just trying to vibe on his own. I he would do so much better nowadays on the show. He yeah. has the right vibes for nowadays. Yeah. He was ahead of his time. He really was. <laughs> Cowboy, if you're listening. <laughs> Cowboy! Come on the podcast. We love you, man. Also, I mean Boston Rob. He would fucking Boston Rob would be like at home by now. Situation. Well, I was gonna say he would like already be eating meat. Like he'd have hunted. Mean, like like he like had built like a six story house and like. Oh, first of all, he would have managed to like fly. He would have managed to land that plane. <laughs> yes, first of all, he would have landed the plane. He would have fixed the comm system. Like even in the eighties, he would have like s- this- prevented the heart attack from happening. Not. <laughs> <laughs> Why is this 13-year-old a survivor? Like, why isn't he as good as these survivors? Yeah, why is he as good as he, like, an adult that trained to be on a TV show to survive? <laughs> anyway, so he finally gets the fire going. Um, and he describes it as a friend and guard. Calcifer. I was going to say prompto. <laughs> friend and guard. But it's a fire. But it's a fire, yeah. It will, it, what, is Calcifer a friend? Yeah, it's kind of I mean, a he's a contractually. Well, he does protect the castle. True. But that, you know, would he betray Hal? I mean, he literally tries to at the very beginning. <laughs> but in the end, he's a friend. Oh, what a movie. It's a great book, too. You should read it, do it for the podcast. I'd love to. Well, so it would be a little disingenuous. It's a children's book, but I read it in college. That's fine. Okay. Yeah. This is a children's book from the 80s. It's also from the 80s, I think. Uh, that sounds right. Either the 80s or the early 90s. 1986. Wow. Older than this book. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway. There are a lot of people on Survivor that would not do well in this situation, um, though. Like, the two who were in that fire-making challenge? Yes. Oh, my God. Oh. Try to think who would be the like worst off. There's a, like out of like the the big names because there's all the, the losers that. Go. Yeah. Um. I'm trying. To, I mean, the amount of damage that James could do with a hatchet. 
Oh my god, there'd be nothing left to like. You see that that black bear and be like, that's <laughs> he snap its neck. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, this is Survivor Podcast. Now. <laughs> I mean, we're literally almost if done. If we one who would be bad, it would be Amanda. <gasps> Yeah. Well, uh, part of me doesn't have anyone to flirt with. <laughs> no, but she she has proven herself with physical yeah. challenges, but True. I would I would definitely put Amanda below her. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, we are almost done with this book. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> Incredible. So, he starts to have, uh, like, more honed-in senses for survival. Like, he's picking audio things up more. He's getting better, like, kind of visually finding things like uh-huh. he's just he's you know becoming one with nature great it's great and uh, one night he finds turtle eggs on the beach right after the mama turtle had like checked on them uh-huh. and he just eats them raw <gasps> not the turtles yeah isn't that fucked up I'm sorry that's fu- I don't care that's I don't care what situation you're in you can't eat the baby turtles like you watch this mama turtle just go back. It, like I check on the kids, and then you're like, I'm gonna eat all thirteen of them. You eat them raw. Well, he only eats like four at this moment, but yeah, that's fucked up. And I'm like, I get that you don't have any cooking like equipment, but I feel like you still could have cooked them. But like the turtles, man, come on. Yeah, he eats the. Baby. I think even if I was starving, I could not eat a turtle. We gotta cancel Brian. <laughs> thirteen-year-old who's in a life or death situation for eating turtle eggs. <laughs> eating turtle eggs. That's fucked up, man. <laughs> it's fucked up. And then finally, at this point, also it's so hard to keep track of how many days there are because he sleeps at really random times in the beginning. But he finally thinks to look in the water. Well, he was also scared to look in the water because the plane's under there, and he's thinking about you know the, the pilot's body. body. Yeah, so he was, like, when he had to drink the water at first, he was, like, trying not to think about the fact This that is also a random thing, but yesterday I was talking to someone, and they were asked, which would you rather swim in, the Hudson or the East River? The consensus was the Hudson, because there's so many dead bodies in the East River. But no one even knows what's in the Hudson. <laughs> Well, then that got into a discussion of, like, what if the L-Train tunnel was clear? And that was very confusing for some reason. <laughs> oh, my God. That would be amazing. But, uh, yeah. For some reason, it was confusing because someone was like, do you mean the train? She's like, no, the tunnel. Like, there's already windows on the train. She's like, yeah, but it'd probably be better if the train was cleared, too. And she was like, no, we don't want to see that much. I do. And then I was like, does the train even go technically underwater? Or is it, like, under the river itself? I've never really thought about under a river. Yeah, because I, like, heard about that once, but I don't know if that's, like, how they built the L-Train. Hmm. Anyway, dead bodies in the East River. (laughs) Well, now that I would just be freaked out swimming if I know there's dead bodies underneath, because I would just be thinking about the marsh scene in Lord of the Rings when it's, like, the, like, Frodo gets, like, the like the bodies oh. and like the, it gets like the, there's the jump scare oh, and yeah. he's looking at the bodies and like he falls in the water. Mm. Yeah, that'd be fucked up. I also think about the scene in Harry Potter. Um, oh, when they're getting the locket. Yeah, that's also fucked up. Yeah, pour one out for Regulus. 
go pour on our shirt. <laughs> End of series. <laughs> just like, <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> just ends. I mean, we're never heard from again. <laughs> just miraculously still have the file despite the destroyed <laughs> computer. Yeah. Yeah, so anyway, fucked up. He eats the turtles, but he finally looks into the lake and sees that there are a lot of fish in there. Oh, shit. He's like, I can figure out a way to get these fish. Plenty of fish. Mm-hmm. He created that dating app. <laughs> Is that still around? Do people still use that? I I think so. Yeah. What do you think the demographic is on Plenty of Fish? Maybe go mid to late 30s. I was going to um, say sad 30-somethings. But suburban Midwestern people. Not, not necessarily hmm. Midwestern, but like nobody in an urban center is using Plenty of Fish. Yeah, I mean, there are, but there shouldn't be. I'm imagining people who are going on dates off of Plenty of Fish are going to, like, an Applebee's. <laughs> yes. Formerly, they would go to a Ruby Tuesday oh, if they're out of business. Ruby Tuesday crouton. If it's, like, a third date, it's, like, a good date, Outback Steakhouse. Whoa. Or, like, a Longhorn. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. Mary. <laughs> Have you gone on a lot of Plenty of Fish dates? <laughs> You know me. I think I've seen you. I'm a sad mid-30s. Or no, that's my type. I'm looking for oh, a sad... Yes! Hey, are you single? Are you single? Are you living in a suburban town? Or do you want to move to suburban town? It's a great way If you're trying to escape the city... Do you love an Applebee's 2 for 20? That's how I want to be proposed to. If someone's not doesn't ask me if I want to be their Applebee's two for twenty forever, it's over. I'm ending it. Oh my god, I'm picturing like in this like the panic to get out of cities because of coronavirus. Like all of these urban like twenty somethings going on plenty of fish to find a sad thirty something in the suburbs. Yeah, puf.com. <laughs> Oh, they rebranded. Oh, so did it's I- Canadian. <laughs> this takes place in Canada. Well, Mary, we got. I think they. I think their first date's Tim Hortons. Then. So I figured this out. Brian survives this encounter. He grows up. He starts plenty of fish. He then has a has a child who goes on to make that TikTok about being in the eighties and not doing drugs, yeah. but wishing he did the therapy. Yes. Because it started in 2003. That's not like a crazy timeline. No, that's... Oh, my God, Mary. We discovered it. Wow. Crack the code on Hatchet. Um, Canadians, what are popular... Like, do you go to Applebee's? I know in Canada they still have A A W A and W whatever, A&W oh. re- restaurants. The, like, root beer brands. Yeah. They still have those restaurants in Canada. Isn't okay. that amazing? Yeah. I A&W, love root beer. Um... I don't think they have. Oh, they they got pizza, pizza. Literally, not not like little not our pizza, not little Caesars. They got like pizza. It's literally called like pizza, pizza. They got some dumb pizza thing. Oh yeah, pizza, pizza. Yes, I'm, I'm on shoeless Joe's. <laughs> I know that just because of watching hockey and whenever they're in um like the Canadian Tire Center or whatever bullshit. <laughs> There's Joey in all caps, and then Joey's seafood restaurants. Wow. Expectation. Wow. You see, if Brian walked south enough... Elephant and Castle Pub and Restaurant. Why is that so familiar? I guess I probably saw that when I was in... Krabby Joe's. Wow. Anyway. Ooh, we should... 
We should head up north to get poutine sometime. Oh, I desperately want to go to Montreal. Columbus Day weekend? We'll discuss. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know what my work schedule is. Yeah, okay. They don't need to know. They'll they'll come kill us, the listeners. <laughs> what? If we give them our location and date, then someone could come murder us. That's true. <laughs> so, We're not getting poutine in Montreal. Specifically on Columbus Day weekend. Yeah. Um, okay. So, he's trying to keep busy. Um, to avoid the drama and coming up with ways to, like, get fish and stuff. When all of a sudden, a plane flies overhead. This is why he's signal fire. This is, well, he has the fire going oh. and he's trying to, like, get the smoke up. Yeah. But it's such a forested area uh-huh. that the plane doesn't see him and it just flies away. And in this moment, he realizes that plane's never coming back and... That he really is now just stranded there. Yep. Well, that's the end. Time skip! Cue Hero's comeback. Come on, everybody. Hands up. Three, two, one. Make some noise. Okay. So this is when we finally get a timeline established. Uh-huh. So what we just covered from the crash to the plane flying away was five days. Okay. And it has now been 47 days since the crash. Damn it. <laughs> See, I, so at first I was like, it seems like maybe only a few days. But then I was, I remembered Island of the Blue Dolphin. Yes. Which that's just like. A year. Yeah, a long ass time. So then I was like, it's probably a long time, too. And then you were right on the nose, basically. I mean, like, to the time skip point. Yeah, damn it. Yeah. (laughs) You almost had it. If it wasn't for game theory. Fucking game theory. (laughs) Get you every time. So, uh, the old Brian can't come to the phone anymore. (laughs) Why? Because he's dead. Oh, he died? (laughs) Well, the old Brian's dead. Oh. Um... Who he used to be died when he saw that plane fly away. And he is the new Brian who is just in full survival mode. Yeah. And and don't worry. You may be like, wow, a time skip. I wish I knew what he was up to for the past 45 days. We get that in detail. Great. So we find out that everything he's learned and how he's become such a great survivalist. Like he can hunt and fish and in fact he's so good at fishing that he's sick of eating the fish now it's like the rice on survivor he's just mm-hmm. sick of it it's not tasty it's just bland he didn't bring seasoning he should have had that on his belt emergency seasoning get the sazon get, get like the, and get like a little keychain of sriracha i don't know if a keychain of sriracha would last seven weeks mm, good point I was joking about that when I went on this camping trip um, a couple weeks ago because there's the guy that this is his kind of camping. Like, he yeah. literally just takes a survival pack and then goes into somewhere the into the wilderness. He's, he might have he saw Bigfoot. Anyway, um, and we were, I was like, oh, I was joking. I was like, oh, like, do you at least bring, like, seasoning for, like, all this, the fish and the rabbits and stuff that you're hunting? He's like, usually, yeah. Gonna <laughs> <laughs> have your, your purse hot sauce. Yes. Anyway, yeah, so the fish, he's just so sick of eating fish. 
Um, but he's learned to hunt other things. He's, like, been trying to hunt the birds. Uh-huh. And he goes over the, like, various mistakes that he made and how he's grown from them. So we learn about how he learned to properly fish, how he made a bow and all. We just learn everything he's done in the past 45 days. And, you know, he's doing pretty well for himself. I mean, he's lasted this long. But, of course... Back to the day 47, everything goes wrong. Dun, dun, dun. And he almost dies. Great. Guess what almost kills him? Um, it's something we haven't talked about yet in the book. He trips. No, it's a, it's an animal. Oh, um. We've, we've learned to look out for them. A mountain lion. No. Uh. Think bugaboo. <laughs> Oh, a moose. Yes. <laughs> a moose attacks him. And it's not just a moose. It's a cow. Oh. I I had to look it up, but a female moose is called a cow. I was like, yeah. why is he calling this moose a cow? Yeah. And I think that's the dumbest shit ever. Yeah, that's just... Like, cute. there's already a cow. Because he's like, he's talking about the moose attacking him. And then he goes, the cow was standing there. And I was like, the cow was a bystander? (laughs) Because a a male moose is called a bull. Oh, God. You know bull moose? Who named named these? Well, because bull and cow, I think, like, originally were just, like, male and female markers. And then we just started calling all cows cow. Americans. I mean, I don't know if it was all... It was an American thing, but... (sighs) Anyway, that confused me for a hot sec. I was like, why is there a cow just (laughs) watching? (laughs) I stamped a cow. I was like, that doesn't doesn't match the geography. (laughs) No. (laughs) Where'd the cow come from? (laughs) And then it was like, and the cow ran at me, and I was like, no, the cow (laughs) is attacking with the moose. (laughs) <laughs> it was very confusing. <laughs> anyway, he just has a continuing bad day. What's worse than a moose that could happen to him out here? Worse than a moose? Worse than a moose. It's not an animal. Not an animal. That, what's worse than a moose that could happen to a poor kid? It's raining. Worse, it's a tornado. Oh my God. And imagine this, a Canadian film called Moose Nado. Oh my god. I'd watch that. Uh, yeah. I've never seen a single Sharknado, but I would watch Moose Nado. I've unfortunately seen three Sharknado films all against my will. Nice. Anyway, so this Moose Nado <laughs> totally destroys his camp. The fire's put out. All of his stuff is like strewn everywhere. Uh-huh. Um, and he's still very bruised and like like not doing well from the moose attack yeah so he's having a really bad day yeah but on the bright side this tornado shifted the plane so now the tail where cargo is stored Uh is sticking out great and he's like you know what i know it's been 47 days submerged in there but let's go see if i can get the survival kit that they keep in the back of the plane Uh so he builds a raft he can swim but he still built i guess it's a pretty big lake so he builds a raft, mostly to keep the stuff on, so he, like, because he's going to drown if he tries to carry stuff back. Yeah. And it takes him a couple days to build the raft. He tries to swim out to the plane, but he can't get as far because the raft is heavy. So he swims back, tries again the next day, and he gets to the plane. Woo! 
And he's trying to, like, break into the plane with the hatchet because he can't get to, like, any uh-huh. door. And he drops the hatchet! I knew he was going to drop it. End of book. Main character died. Really? It's over? No. <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah, I knew as soon as he said he brought the hatchet out, he's going to drop it in the water. Yeah, but he, after a few pages, manages to get it back. Oh, thank God. Uh-huh. And he breaks into the plane, and he sees the pilot. Or what used to be the pilot. That's going to smell bad. Well, it's underwater still. Like, the pilot's in the uh, submerged part. Oh. But what he realizes um, is that the fish that he's been eating, uh-huh. indulging on, to the have point... Been, have been eating the Have been eating the pilot. Yeah. So he has inadvertently been eating the pilot. It is a very fucked up version of all is one, one is all. Yeah. Yeah. The Elric brothers, they didn't tell us this portion. Yeah, but they did have a survival portion. Yes. That, I love that episode. That's great. Yeah. Brian didn't eat an ant to have an epiphany, though. Well, yeah. Sucks for him. He also, as far as we know, doesn't have a brother that's a suit of armor. Well, he, he was not yet, Maybe yet. not yet. Uh, the mom and, you know, the lover. We don't know what this... <laughs> everyone's, like, towards the beginning when he's still being, like, all melodramatic about a situation, he's like... I bet my mom's with the other man. I was like, no, your mom's frantically waiting for news if you're alive. Yeah, she's probably very concerned about her missing son. Yeah, he's like, I bet she's with him. <laughs> anyway, so uh, Brian freaks out at this realization. Yeah. Um, but it's okay because he manages to get that survival pack. Uh-huh. And here is what he discovers when he gets back to shore. Yes. A sleeping bag. That he hangs to dry. Yep. A sleeping pad that he just doesn't do anything with. Um, matches in a, like, waterproof container. Great. And two lighters. A knife that has a compass built into the handle. Fantastic. So he heads south now. Oh, my God. Uh, a really basic first aid kit, like, just, like, the Band-Aids, the different, like, kind of cream ointment stuff. Yeah. Um... A hat that says C-E-S-S-N-A on it. Cessna. Cessna. There's never any elaboration. Um, it's certified emergency snazzy smazzy That's a type attire. of aircraft. Oh, okay. That's the brand of product placement. Wow. Uh, and a really basic fishing kit with like lures and stuff. He doesn't really know why a hat was included in the survival kit, but he decides to put it on anyway and look all snazzy. Yeah. (laughs) And then they make it seem like that's everything that he just unpacked, but no, there's more. They fake you out multiple times. There's more. Yes. He also discovers a 22 caliber survival rifle, and he says that holding the gun makes him feel different, and there's no elaboration. Like a Republican. (laughs) Yeah. Literally, I'm just like, he's going to go back and shoot someone. Uh, yeah. And then, it seems like that's it, but it's not. Uh, he finds an emergency transmitter, and he tries to use it, but it appears to be dead from the the crash. Yeah. Uh, and then, last but not least, camping food packs. A ton of them. And so he decides to... He's going to ration it out because he doesn't know how long he's going to be there, but he does have, a, like, a little feast. And so he, um, oh, I also forgot, skipped over. There's some 
camping cooking equipment, so now he has pots and pans. Great. He's got four pots, two pans. Great. So he starts cooking up Dilly's camping packets, when all of a sudden, a plane lands! <gasps> the pilot gets out, and he's like, I heard your emergency transmitter. It wasn't broken. Oh. Fully. Wow. And he goes, are you the kid? They stopped looking for you a month? No, like two months ago. And Brian, he just looks at the guy. He's like, hi, I'm Brian. Would you like to have some dinner? Oh, my God. And now we're to the epilogue. Wow. Yes. So the pilot was a fur trader. uh, And we find out that the day he discovered Brian was 54 days after he went missing. So when he says that... Almost two months ago, they gave up looking for you. Like, instantly. <laughs> they, they I don't even think that was place. a search plane. I think that was just a random plane. <laughs> like, they were just assumed he was dead. <laughs> Truly. Yep. Um, and we found out that during those 54 days, Brian lost 17% of his body weight. And he would, at some point, gain back 6%, but remained very thin for several years. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I mean... That's gonna fuck with your growth when you're that late young. When you're that young, yeah. Uh, And many changes were permanent, like his sharpened skills and instincts, and his obsession with food. Like, he just... Not, not like, that he always eats a lot. He just loves food, and so, like, when he goes to grocery stores, he just can't help but stare at all the food on the shelves. I hope he goes on to be a chef. Well, we know what he goes on to be. (laughs) He can can be a... A, a, an at-home chef. Okay. As, yeah, with the, when he doesn't have to do much work after he cashes out on his on his yeah. dating app. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but he does have nightmares. Yeah, the PTSD will do that too. Yeah, he does have bad dreams. Uh, the media loved the story for a hot sec and then quickly moved on. Uh-huh. And for like a week, it seemed like his parents might get back together, but they didn't and things went back to normal. Brian never told his dad the secret that was relevant only for the first, like, two chapters. Yeah. And then the author hints at one of the sequels by saying, like, oh, if Brian hadn't been rescued, winter was approaching, and all of this... Winter is coming. Winter is coming. All of these things would change, and so survival would be hard. And my takeaways is that this had such an abrupt ending, like most of Mary's books. And it brought me back to when we read this in the fifth grade. And when we got to that part where the plane shows up, like, right after he gets his emergency pack, I was pissed. I was like, really? We were setting it up for more survival. And it's just, and then the plane came. Yeah, that just feels weird that it's, like, immediately after he finds the survival They, like, kit. set it up for, like, what he can do now. And then the yeah. plane just lands. Like, he did that, tr- like, it was... Crazy. Um, and would a 13-year-old actually survive this situation? You know, hard to say. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, but that's, uh, that's Hatchet. And then, oh, I, as I mentioned, there's there are sequels. So the first one that's a direct sequel is Brian's Return. And they do finally realize that the kid needs therapy. Yeah. But they get him a bad therapist who thinks that what will help him heal is to go camping where he was stranded. Like alone? With the therapist. Like, I've heard of, like, returning to, like, the site of a traumatic event, but, like, perhaps not in this Let me double check this, but I do know that 
guess what? Something goes wrong. Yeah. No. And I believe that the therapist is badly injured to the point that Brian's, like, basically alone. Well, and, like, they don't bring any, like, you know, communication stuff. Let me, let me double check. Brian's return point. I probably am, like, really off base. Um, in other news, uh, Plenty of Fish, the founder did sell it in 2015 to the match group. So. Wow. For the last six years, you know, Brian's just been living it up off that 500 million payday. Oh, I guess actually they let Brian go back alone. Because Bri- I was like, Brian's therapist is blind. He's definitely not going camping. Um, no, that's a horrible idea. Yeah. So, okay, so he doesn't go to the exact spot, but he wants to go back to the wilderness. And he goes to, like, an easier part of the wilderness where all this goes down. And he has his Jesus moment with a deer. But so what I'm thinking, so then there's the AU sequel, uh-huh. Brian's Winter, uh-huh. which is what if he didn't get rescued? Yeah. And he has to survive the winter. Okay. And that's the premise of the book. But in that one, somehow, I remember there being like another person that shows up weirdly like some you know okay. in samurai shampoo <laughs> that random guy in the woods yeah like pretty much that situation happens but right. then he that guy dies i'm pretty sure well so does the guy in samurai shampoo no not the weird one that helps gene you remember the, the really, oh that guy that guy not the not the one who has a vengeance for his village. oh okay you know the really There's weird, super weird guys in the woods way. yeah that's kind of <laughs> You're right about that. Yeah, that no the uh, the one, and then he's like, "Oh, are you this guy of legend?" I'm Musashi. Yes, and you're like, "Just kidding." <laughs> yeah, so that's Hatchet and the sequels. Great. Not a good book. No, it's really not at all. That fire making scene is a dumb. It really, you know, everything about it screams this is required school reading. Yeah. Well, there are um. Discussion guides in the back of the book for yeah. teachers. Yeah. Oh, plenty of fish is in nine languages. <laughs> wow. After the tornado exposes the tail of the sunken plane, Brian dives into the water and retrieves the survival kit that the pilot carried. He finds food, matches, and other things that make his survival easier. There is also a rifle. How does the rifle change Brian? Why doesn't he like the change? I don't want to discuss this question. <laughs> Why not? Because <laughs> I'm not in the fifth grade. I really think they're implying that Brian's like... I know the answer is like... That it seems like it's going to be... It's like a very man-made like way to solve issues and kill things, I guess. It's too oh. tech forward for it the survivalist or does he just really feel like he wants to kill someone I also took it to be like a this is a moment of like true maturity for him like having a rifle feels like a very adult thing to do yeah no but he doesn't like holding the rifle oh Here's, well he do, he could have a guns are made for killing moment uh, it was a strange feeling holding the rifle it somehow removed him from everything around him without the rifle he had to fit in to be part of it all to understand it and use it, the woods, all of it, with the rifle, suddenly he didn't have to know. <laughs> you have a gun, you're just like a mindless killing machine. <laughs> Did not have to be afraid or understand. 
He didn't have to get close to a fool bird to kill it. Didn't have to know how it would stand if he didn't look at it and moved off to the side. Oh, so it's like a very, like, not the last airbender avatar, but like avatar avatar, where it's like these contraptions and weapons are removing you from... From nature, this, yeah. One is all is one. What if the brothers had a gun on that island? They had a knife. <laughs> yeah. Okay, anyway, so you failed today's assignment for well, refusing read, to answer the question. I didn't read the book. <laughs> Mary! Just give me a zero. Okay, here's the writing activity. Oh, God, no. Write a paper that Brian writes at the beginning of the school titled no. What I Did on My Summer Vacation. No! No. 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 <laughs> on my summer vacation, I witnessed a man die, I and then I had to fend for my lives. I had to eat fish that had recently ate my dad friend. He wasn't really my friend, but we went through a shared trauma when he died. And then I I held a gun and I felt things. This is when the teacher like pulls his parents so I was like, listen. <laughs> this is how he got to therapy. This child needs therapy. <laughs> yeah, his therapist is a blind ex-cop named Caleb. Great. Yeah. Uh, but he lives in New York City, so NYPD. Uh, he didn't fly out of JFK, though. He flew out of northern New York. Because uh, JFK doesn't charter flights to the middle of nowhere, Canada. Yeah, I have a feeling it'd be hard to find a bush plane. That's why you should just take the train or drive. But, you know, the mom didn't want to see the dad. She had to get to her side piece. Because not the main piece. She could have put him on a train. Yeah, this is the 80s. Yeah. There are people are like basically male children at that point. <laughs> <laughs> you could uh, anyway, it was like the 1880s. <laughs> that was a real thing. Oh my god! People used to actually put children in the mail in boxes. No, like they would just put a label on them. Oh, I thought you like pack them up. I was like, no, there's like a famous example of this: child in the mail. <laughs> That's making me think of the Mary Kane Ashley movie where they're like somehow get mail lost. that. Baby, a brief history of kids sent to the U.S. Postal Service. No. Yes, this is real. I, I know, but like I read about this in the in the in school. Wow. In like probably the fifth grade. They hid this from me. Yeah, the famous one was Mae Pierstorff. Never heard of them. Whose parents sent her to her grandparents' house, seventy-three miles away, in nineteen fourteen. The postal worker took her by railway mail. Um. The Idaho family paid 53 cents for the stamps that they put on their six-year-old daughter's coat. Um, So after he heard about this, the postmaster um, officially banned postal workers from accepting humans as mail. Yeah. Well, then there's the Mary Kay and Ashley movie where the the mailman just, like, picks up the kids when they're lost and they just journey with the mailman. That's safe. (laughs) Product of the 90s. I don't remember the rest of the premise for that movie. They were real young in that one. It was like one of their first, I think, like for the American Ashley duo. Yeah. Did you did you see that one? I never saw any of them. Wow! I love the American Ashley Game Boy game, Game Boy Color, I believe it was Game Boy Advance, Game Boy. We were not a Mary Kate and Ashley household. Mary Kate. Because it was too young for my sister. Yeah. So she never got into it. Therefore, mm-hmm. I never got into yeah. it. I want to say it's a Christmas movie. All I know is the New York one. What is that? New York Minute? Uh, maybe. Oh, It Takes Two, 1995. I want to say someone, like, tries to 
Abandon the Children. Yeah, it is New York Minute. That was 2004. And then there's the one in the Bahamas, Holiday in the Sun. Well. Oh, no, I need to read you the plot of It Takes Two. Okay. Amanda Lemon is a nine-year-old orphan who is being sought after by the, the, the butt kisses. Okay. A family known to collect kids. She actually wants Diane Barrows, her social worker, to adopt her instead. Is this the right movie? That's like a, yes, it a is. really fucked up plot. It is. Get ready. Uh, Diane w- would like to do so, but authorities will not let her because of her low salary and unmarried status. While at summer camp, Amanda... I remember being vaguely parent-trappy. Here we go. Amanda meets a girl named Alyssa Calloway who looks just like Amanda. She just got home from boarding school only to find that her father and the camp's owner, Roger, is about to marry Clarice Kensington, an overbearing, self-centered, gold-digging socialite. Amanda and Alyssa soon become acquainted, um, each longing for the other's life, and decide to switch places. But where's the mailman? This is not the one I'm thinking of. I have no idea what you're thinking of. What am I thinking of? Anyway. Anyway. Social media. Social medias. Email us, whybookpodcast at gmail.com. Instagram, whybookpodcast. Or is it just whybook? Whybookpodcast. TikTok, though, is just whybook. Oh, I found it! Oh, jeez. Two grandmothers' houses we go. 1992. No. <laughs> Six-year-old twins Sarah and Julie are two naughty but sweet children who are the bane of their work-obsessed divorced mother, Rhonda. They overhear her saying that they are a handful and she needs a vacation. The girls decide to give Rhonda what she wants. They pack up their bags and hop on their bicycles, determined to make it to their grandmother's house for Christmas. However, they are not allowed to cross the street on their own. A city bus pulls up and they sneak on through the back door. Blah, 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 blah. Sarah, after getting off the bus downtown, Sarah and Julie spot Eddie, a delivery man who has a crush on their mom and his... Okay, it's not a stranger. Phew. Yeah. Oh, speaking of Christmas. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so Instagram, why book podcast. TikTok, why book. Twitter, why book podcast. Email us. Mary already said the email, but email us. That's right. Email us. Whybookpodcast.gmail.com. Tell us if you would survive in the woods. Or would you make Renee's dumb move and just start walking south and die? If you ever do find yourselves stranded, always stay. I do have howtosurvive.com bookmarked on my computer from, like, 2009. And you could do, like, how to survive in the desert and it gave you tips and shit like that. So, Well, that's all for this week's episode. Buy a hatchet, but not a gun. Goodbye. Goodbye.